All right, hello and welcome to the 49th episode of the Town Mile Podcast. This is the third installment of the Van Leer Chronicle series, so we've been pretty consistent with getting episodes out in consecutive weeks. It's our third straight week, so feeling pretty good about that. I'm pumping these out and, and sitting down and having some great conversations with some, some great people. So really excited tonight. We spoke with Coach Bill Markward, who was a longtime head coach in both from Bridgewater in the early, I think he said he got there in 1977, coaching football in Bridgewater. And then later on, a few years later, uh, became the head basketball coach in Hanson High School in Alexandria, where he really was a, a you know, at the forefront of creating um, a, a quite the basketball dynasty uh, in in Hanson, and someone that certainly, if you were around in the early '80s and '90s, and remember the intensity of the Emory versus Hanson basketball matchups and the small gyms. It was a blast to talk to him about that. He uh, had reached the mountaintop twice in '81 won a state title in football and with his team in Bridgewater. And then in 1986, pretty remarkable, won a state basketball championship in Hanson. So uh, that's a lot of success um, in a span of a, a, within a decade in two different schools, two different programs, two different sports, really. So as someone that I had been around and really anybody that I have been around in, you know, growing up in uh, post-college, from friends I have from Alexandria, you know, certainly always have spoken very highly of, uh, of Coach Markworth. So really happy to get his perspective as an opponent, as a coach that coached against Emory and, you know, and Coach Van Leer and, and uh, competed against Emory. Really, uh, really was honored to get his side of uh, his perspective of that. So very excited to get this out. He gave us about an hour. So grateful for his time. And uh, I know he was with his family and, uh, in, in Minneapolis. So appreciate it. Hope you enjoy. And again, if anybody's hitting play, if you're getting to this point, thank you so much. Um, if, you know, if you like these episodes that we're putting out, please go ahead and hit five stars on Apple podcasts or like it on uh, Spotify, whatever, whatever format you're using, it really goes a long way and we really appreciate it. And it really helps us move forward with future episodes. So salute to you, the listener. Thank you so much. are kind of getting me. i i did quite a bit of this during uh covid but I okay and uh well yeah. i think they got i think we're set up okay so um well awesome so you're in minneapolis right now yeah i got uh two sisters that live up here excellent i got four brothers and sisters total joe and and the youngest one is 14 years older than me they're my okay. and sisters. So okay. Anyway, gotcha. So I guess the last time I I remember running into you was I think must have been like two thousand nine. I remember you and Chris were at Cubby's. Um, 
Yeah. I don't know what that nine and every other year in between we were at you, you get up there quite a bit. Yeah. I'm um, good Jackrabbit fans. Yeah. Okay. Well, good stuff. Well, so my partner here, Matt, and I started doing podcasts maybe about seven years ago. And, and recently I've kind of had, uh, had the itch. I guess a lot of our projects we end up doing and having guys on and kudos to Matt for, you know, he grew up in South Jersey. So a lot of times we'll have kind of my South Dakota roots. I think I've, I've, I'm really kind of want to bring up some of those old, you know, those old stories from back in the day. So we've had. Boring had like math then, right? Yeah, that's right. Had, that's okay. I'm uh, I'm interested. I'm curious. I like to, I like to be I'll a part of dozing in a little while, Matt. We, like we, <laughs> we've had, you know, Ryan. Well, Jamie Davies has done one of these with us, talked about all that. You know, you know the, uh, just to interrupt, I, um, I was up. Chris was with me yesterday. We have a little lake cabin on Lake Madison, and we went up to try to, it's a long story, to piddle around up there with the dock and stuff and on the way back um he got your podcast with josh kaiser going okay so i listened to that and no appreciate and, it uh, yeah no he um you know i think one of the things you know i think initially i wanted to kind of talk about you know the last i mean obviously i was around kind of consider myself a a big coach van leer guy um and i certainly you know i think the the 40 years since he's been in in Emory, you know, the Corn Belt has certainly, I think there's a lot of great stories and a lot of great, you know, a lot of great teams and a lot of great coaches from around, you know, the area. And you certainly carved out a a pretty significant piece, you know, where, where you were at in Hanson, but maybe we'll, let's just, I guess, what, what are you up to now? Are you still coaching? Amazingly, I am. Yeah, I retired from teaching 10 years ago. Okay. My last job was at my hometown of Salem, which, by the way, I played in the Corn Belt. Salem was in the Corn Belt when I played. Yeah. Had these two real tall brothers that played. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, one of them, the younger one was my age, and the older one was two years older. Okay. So I've had a long history with the Jansen. Yeah, that my dad will be, will be, so you played Emory in was it like the region or district? I mean, that, that was, they, unfortunately they were in our district. Um, they did, they weren't when I was a sophomore, but Salem St. Mary's was good. We were good all three years, but Salem St. Mary's, I went to Salem public and, uh, Salem St. Mary's closed in the spring before my senior year. Now, okay. And it was all good news. Both schools, you know, I had 125 students. Now, Matt thinks that's, uh, you know, one class, but uh, we, <laughs> both had, we both had class. schools now, then, and, and then we combined, We and uh, we didn't have any lead time, and we had one team then when we were seniors, and we still, okay. still played eight-man football, but... Um, eight-man, eight-man yeah, football, okay, so no... Until the mid-70s, and then okay. So nine men, and I ran into Dallas Goddard out here a couple times, and I was disappointed to hear that he didn't play nine man. He played Britain was playing eleven man apparently. So I was, <laughs> but um, well, really, they're nine man now. Britain's nine man, okay. Um, so I guess since your year, like, what have you been up to since since your years at Hanson? 
Well, I was at Hanson 17 years, uh, seven years at Bridgewater, and then at Hanson 17 years. About the last five, the school board president didn't think I was such a hell of a guy, and uh, he spent five years trying to get rid of me, and he got the job done after wow. 17. Kind of gradually got his friends on the school board. and Okay. When you're a, a boys basketball coach in, in uh, rural South Dakota, you know, it's a big deal in the town and people, you know, they make enemies. Not many people can do what, what Jeff did for as many years as he's done in Emory. Um, but I, I got what's called staff reduced. They did cut four teachers. I was one of them, but it was had to do completely with basketball. I was okay. And, and uh, but this guy had a mission and he got some allies on the board and got it done. I went to Coleman Coleman Egan High School for three years. Uh, it was a great fit for my daughter, who was a sophomore in high school when, when we left. And uh, her best, one of her best friends from her summer club basketball team was from Coleman, and their boys' job opened up. So I went to Coleman for three years. Three years of misery in boys' basketball and three years of awesomeness in girls' track. Where okay. I was coaching those things then, so. Well, coach, I didn't know that. I'm, I'm sorry to hear. Yeah. I mean, I guess I moved away, you know. Yeah, so. that, you know, that's a that's an old story in South Dakota in small towns, you know. Sure. I, yeah, I, I can't imagine, you know, I, I guess that's the big part of it is, you know, you're trying to, there's a lot of things to navigate. And, I, and you know, my wife and I have, a, have an 18-month-old, so suddenly I start to think about, you know, those things and what do I want. You know, I, I know I just, seems like I grew up wanting to be, like my cousin Chris, but I, I almost wish sometimes I would have wanted to get A's in like science and math, you know, when it, when you look back at it, but, um, you know, certainly, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's certainly not an, can couldn't have been an easy thing to do, you know, being in, uh, kind of dealing with that and, and especially the success that you had. Well, the worst part was moving, moving Dana. Um, Hanson had an incredible, uh, girls basketball team by the way a little uh little fact check uh from josh kaiser josh told you that jim bridge was done he's not he's jim not bridge okay attendant at hansen he's also he's continued to coach girls basketball and he's he's still rolling uh, in fact i think it's this year he will become the all-time winningest bas girls basketball coach in south dakota history is that right okay yeah, who else would have been up there on the Munson? No, Munson, this was just girls. Munson did coach head girls for a while when it was in the fall. But um, number one was uh, uh, Dawn, uh, this is from memory, Dawn Seiler from Aberdeen Central. She was at, I think, McIntosh for two thirds of those maybe years. Okay. And then Robbie Van Lacken, you probably remember that. Oh, name. yeah, I remember him. I, I knew Eric really well, still do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. The, and I think Jim will pass those two. I think it's this year, but I'm I'm not sure. Jim's got good kids coming, and he's just got an incredible program. He start. He was my assistant coach for I think three or four years when he first came to Hanson. He was head girls in the fall. We played girls basketball in in the fall back in those days. Yeah, I sure, I remember that. And uh, like he was head girls in the fall and then assistant boys in the winter i was 
had boys in the winter and I coached junior high girls at Hanson for 15 years, probably okay. in the 17 years there when it was in the fall. Okay. Gotcha. So you would kind of, you would get started early on. Were you coaching? Ju- no, Swear was coaching junior high. I think when I was, I think he was probably junior high boys and I yeah. was girl. Yeah. So I, I didn't do in the winter. I was had boys, but in the fall it was girls basketball. So I, I did. Yeah. Sure. Okay. My girls had to coach a lot of good girls because uh, Hanson's had a ton of them go through. Yeah, they have. Have it was, uh... hard. it was hard taking my daughter away from that. Uh, she played a lot as a freshman and sophomore. Okay. And they went undefeated both years regular season, and then um, got upset in the district both years by Mount Vernon. They had remember the Johnson twins. You remember I do. Those names? Yeah, they're legendary around uh, the Mitchell area. And, okay, and they, we got them during the year, both years. But they, they, uh, those kids were just tough. But um, so yeah, I had to move my daughter away from that. But Coleman was really good too. And then when you added Dana to it, my daughter, uh, they were real good. We we uh, made it, got beaten the semifinals of the state tournament her senior year, and we okay. had lost leading scorer at the time in december with an acl or we might have probably won it i think okay it turned out good was my yeah opinion. no and that's I, was she was, Annie's age? With, was, was she, she my, my was she my sister annie's age and graduated? Oh, i'm not positive the of the year i think dana was 2003 i think okay i think so she, she was about her age everybody knows annie okay but i can't close to dana's age but i'm not sure okay well, let's start at the beginning. When did you get to Bridgewater? Because I know when, I know I had emailed you about the 1980. I know Van Loor for a long time had a long – we didn't lose to Bridgewater. Well, we're um, going to fact check you on that one too, Joe. Um, I, got to, I got to Bridgewater in, in the fall of 77. 77, and, okay. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, Joe, I thought you knew all this, dude. Well, I thought – Well, no <laughs> – Joe's uh, been out of touch a little bit. Out of I have. Oh, sounds like it. I've been living in Philly, man. I don't know. Sounds like it. <laughs> but I got there in the fall of 77. Interesting story. I went down and interviewed at Montrose on a Saturday morning, and that's the job I wanted. They had this football juggernaut going at Montrose over the years, and they spent the whole interview telling me how good Montrose's football was going to be. They showed me my teaching schedule right there uh, in the interview, and I basically knew I had the job. And then that afternoon, I interviewed at Bridgewater, and it was the superintendent and one uh, soft-spoken farmer on the school board who spent the whole interview talking about um, how good the Brian Omelette's class was that had just graduated. Okay. And I went with Montrose in the worst way, and I kept waiting, and they – Finally, they hired somebody else that wasn't even a football coach. And Bridgewater called me, and I, it was sort of the consolation prize in my mind, but I wanted to get back into the Salem area. Okay. And turned out we beat Montrose like 50 to nothing that year. Oh, that's they good. Okay. Good player, and he got hurt, so it, it all worked out. But I was there seven good years. Uh, after the first three, I was with a guy named Mark Miley. Who was, he coached head girls basketball and head boys basketball, and he's – He's well known in South Dakota um, as the 
activity. Yeah, I remember him. I remember when the, the traveling uh, teams that you and Dan Sabres have put together, he would have a uh, Casey, his son, son played coach. maybe and with our eighth Mark, grade team. Yeah, Mark became the, the activities director for all the Sioux Falls public schools and uh, incredible job running state events and so on. And Casey now, Mark retired and Casey took his job Sioux Falls Roosevelt. Oh, is that outside. right? Okay. I mean, I guess that's the thing. We're all in our forties now. Uh, so we're not uh, really. Was Mark, uh, we were the only two coaches at Bridgewater basically. And I was, I was head football assistant, boys basketball and head track. And he was head girls basketball, all head boys. I think we might have just lost him. Oh, there you are. Thought I just lost you. We're oh, we're good. Um, so I remember. I had you... years there, Joe. Yeah. Now, no, here's my fact check. Let me fact check you here. I appreciate it. Um, 1981, the fall of 81 is when the first year of football playoffs, not 80. And uh, okay, there's a whole long story there I could get into, but it's, uh, we got a lot of time, Coach. We how we it can... happened, but. But before that, I can't forget to fact check you. Jeff came in the fall of 80, I think it was. And uh, he and I think he came a year or two before Tim McCarthy. Now, okay. this is my memory, and I'm pretty, pretty right. But Emory had been really down. And it stayed that way for Jeff for a few years. I don't know, two, maybe maybe as two, maybe as three. Um. And we beat Emory pretty bad in 1980. We were undefeated the fall of 80, and but there were no playoffs, and we beat Emory pretty bad. And I think then that's when Emory dropped out of the Corn Belt for two years in football, a couple years anyway. I didn't know that. And, so uh, yeah, they dropped out um, and went and played like, uh, Lake Andes and Marty and I can't remember all the teams, you know. Um, okay. Corn Belt was incredibly good and they were down. It was a, a good decision for him because turned out they hired, had hired one of the most incredible uh, football coaches in South Dakota history. As you know, that's why you're doing this sure. podcast. And uh, it, that gave him a chance to get on his feet, I think, because it was, it was a it was terrible going through that every Friday night. You know, it was great for the fans, but everybody was good in those sure. days. And but Emory, Emory got going. And I think I think they were out two years. And amazingly, right after that, Canastota thought it was a heck of a deal, so they got out too of the Corn Belt. And uh, now Canastota's probably got the most su- successful nine man program in in the state over the last dozen years. Sure. So, yeah, worked out for both of them, but but we beat we beat Emory. I don't know. I'm going to say 56 to nothing. I think. Okay, but that's my. It might have been 12-6. No, not really. It was <laughs> it was pretty bad, and I think that was Jeff's first year, and then is when they dropped out. I think now. Okay. Now, if Jeff tells you that he never lost to Bridgewater, then I'll I'll tell him that I just didn't stay there long. <laughs> well, it would have been nice because I was pretty. I was pretty – in 95, they were pretty darn good, and they probably should have – I mean, we kind of lucked out. We had a kid return a punt um, at Emory when they had Aaron Boz and, and Jeremy Pischke, and they were pretty good. And, and, and Trent Sabres, I saw him play a lot that year. Trent was a quarterback. That's right. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we lucked out and it was all, we were always worried about like, man, we didn't want to be the first team to, to, to lose to Bridgewater. So I heard you talking that with Josh that made me, made me laugh. Yeah, no, it, you know, that's a funny thing. You think back now of how, you know, how, how cl much closer the communities really are, you know, as you get older and we're all kind of, you know, as close as I, I mean, shoot, I lived with, I was, lived with Dewald, Brian Dewald, you know, for two years in the dorms after, but, um, yeah, so I still stay in contact with him a little bit. He's, he's an awesome guy. I got kids playing now for Hanson. And is that right? That are, they're running track and probably qualifying for the state in every four or five yeah, events. He was, running, he was running varsity relays. Brian's oldest son was in, in, uh, eighth grade already. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let so when you so at eighty one then you were down in the Dakota Dome with with your Bridgewater team. Yeah, it was the first year of playoffs, and and here's what's amazing: it had been we had tried for years in South Dakota to get uh, football playoffs enacted. We had tried um, through the votes of the school, and it it needed sixty percent according to the Constitution. Okay, we thought was tried you know, several times, usually get 56% or something like that, but not enough to, to allow the, the constitution, which said, no, there would be no further uh, postseason in football. And we needed to change that. But eventually we even, I even was at pier once at a hearing that the state legislature tried to demand that they have playoffs. And, but there were a few, few people fighting it, the weather, the missed school time, the focus on academics, but eventually some judge looked at it and said, uh, you're not trying to amend the constitution. You're trying to delete something. And that only takes a majority. And you've done that five times. So you can go right now. And amazingly, this happened, I think in the spring and they instituted football playoffs immediately the next fall. And uh, everybody already, just went with their schedule that they had and they wedged uh, all the football playoffs into two weeks. When we played, it was the first year and, and we were undefeated. We had been undefeated the year before and we were loaded. Um, just had a great senior class the first year of playoffs. It came at a perfect time for us. And uh, the, our schedule that first year, we played Saturday, Tuesday, um friday thursday i think it was it was uh four games in 13 days they would never do that today <laughs> no they wouldn't and they would never they'd get the word today if that happened <laughs> they'd have taken the court decision and had uh they'd have had three study groups and four years of data analysis and they but sure. they just put it in all the way and it worked perfectly for us but but there were two teams that, that of course, every there were no co-ops in. And there were only four regions, and uh, two teams from each region made it. We had two teams in, that were undefeated in our region that did not make the playoffs. Is that right? Uh, wow. And Irene. And Ethan was the other team that made the playoffs from our region. And and uh, we beat Ethan, then we beat uh, wound socket and then we played cologne in the championship and uh and won that one also and there were only two classes back then and freeman freeman went won the other class 
I knew and, that. Uh, yeah. We had beat Freeman 14 to zero, I think, in the, in Freeman that year. Okay. So, at the same like field the, that they're at now, what's called yeah. Sparky Anderson Field, is that the same well, spot? Was in Freeman. And uh, it's the biggest crowd I've ever. I've seen a lot of big crowds at Nine Man. Matt wouldn't quite grasp this, but all of us small town people know about line. They have that one single strand of rope, yeah, keeping the teams back, and they're six deep behind that. Yeah, all of the end zones. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was nothing better than Friday nights. Uh, coaching football until it was rain and then there was nothing worse <laughs> cold or what and sure. or Tuesday when it was cold and you had to go outside and practice I hated football practice but I loved coaching football in the in the on those uh fall nights that just feel like football and you know what I mean you guys do yeah where it's a little chill in the air you got the farmer harvest happening and I can always remember going down and getting like the Mitchell paper the day after the morning after and kind of reading through it and seeing what how everybody else did and um so the 81 team that was yeah Cubby Anderson was a quarterback I remember he played amateur but baseball for Emory for a little bit was he the, the QB yeah he was and, and our whole backfield him and Doug Weber and Jim Reinhardt and Jay Schrader had all played as freshmen at different times because of injuries. And, and uh, we had one bad year in there and, and they, we had a bunch of kids hurt and we weren't going to be very good anyway when they were freshmen. And then after that, um, we only lost, they lost one game during their high school career, but we only got to play uh, playoffs the senior year, but thank goodness it came them. I mean, that's a whole identity for the town it has been for a long time and sure. and uh, they've won quite a few now with emory but i think everybody it's been uh primarily emory kids in it so i think the bridgewater people still take a lot of pride in that 1981 uh, season no they absolutely should i you know I, I could always remember my dad telling me that you were you know because you had obviously been at coaching basketball but we always talk about that you know you were the the head guy you know uh in in bridgewater there so how did you get to transition to hansen then what when, what years was was that well after three years mark miley got out of education just for one year and then he got back in but then i took over head basketball so now i was head football head boys basketball and head track and uh i did that for four years and we were pretty good. Um, first two years, we made the state B back. And that was back, it was two classes, and it was difficult. You had four regions, or four uh, districts. Oh, I got to turn my ringer off here. Um, excuse me, we had. Oh, it's all right. Eight regions with four districts in each region. So we had, um, you know, four district champs played in a region, so he had to win two games in the region. We did it two years in a row in 1981 and 82 in basketball and with those same guys, uh, Cubby, Kevin Anderson, Jay Schrader, Jim Reinhardt, Doug Weber, uh, Paul Richards, that crew. And um, Kerry Schrader um, was in the first year. but um, So we made the B tournament two years, and we had two other decent years, and then uh, I don't know. We were still going to be good, but I could feel the little slippage just of commitment and so on. And meanwhile, 
My wife had been driving from Bridgewater to the hospital in Mitchell to work, you know, 32 miles one way for seven years. She was tired of it. And yeah, job at Hanson came up, which is just you hop on the interstate and you're in Mitchell, you know. And, yep. And uh, I was actually one of their coaches talked to me into applying and and then it looked, you know, Hanson had some kids coming. They told me about a freshman named Craig Cheeseman and I honestly didn't remember him. We played him twice my last year at Bridgewater and beat him handily twice. I looked at the scorebook and and this Craig Cheeseman had zero points and two <laughs> as a freshman. I thought, well, that's not. Yeah, but when I got there and saw him, it turned out that in one of those games he didn't play. His name was in the scorebook, but he was sick. And the other game, well, he only scored two, but he was immediately was the. I I say this a lot that every coach gets one that one kid that one Dallas Goddard or that Chris Jansen or, in my case, it was Craig Cheeseman. So, anyway, uh, he was a sophomore when I got to Hanson and and it clicked right away. We went from five wins to, to uh, 20 and we won the district our, my, our first year there, won our first game of the region over West central. And then, then got beat by Salem in the, in the region finals. But the next two years we made the state tournament and we won the corn belt conference five years in a row. We won the conference tournament five years in a row to start that. And wow. Uh, this, took off right away and once once things get rolling and you get the kids buying in and you get the kids out that are supposed to be and that's about the time that open gyms and team camps were getting yeah you know get get going and our kids uh we just we had outstanding kids and we had uh, a cornerstone with cheese to build around yeah so when did you start doing because i think you were one of the early programs to have summer team camps i don't and then i think everyone else kind of followed that um wh when did that yeah, start was, well i guess it started a little later as i as i think about that now when i said it was when our we had open gyms with those kids in the late 80s when we were good but um team camp started i got invited to one at augustana and i I, like a fool, I sent my money in without checking anything and entered. I thought this would be great. Yeah. Three days of just playing games. And, uh, but I get down there and they only had, I think, seven teams. And it, it was Hanson. We were class B by then. And then it was Harrisburg. They were class A. Now, now they're double A. And then it was five double A teams. I remember we played Aberdeen and Watertown twice. We just got rocked. So I went home and, and called the, some of the area coaches and said, we're going to have one in our gym in Alec. I didn't know what to call it. I had to call it something because we had to have T-shirts, you know. So Yeah, right. Called it uh, the Corn Belt Team Camp. And uh, so that started in mm, 91 or 2, I think. Okay. And I did it uh, 29 years, and I just handed that off to Josh Davies. You mentioned Jamie. That was yeah, Josh. yeah. Jamie's little brother, Josh, played for me, and then he's now he's um, the coach at Wagner, and he's yeah, Wagner. also the athletic director there. But he took it over. He's done it one summer. This will be his second year. But okay. I did it for 29 years. I loved it. Favorite uh, six days of the summer. By then, yeah. all the 
camps were down to two days and we did a varsity girls, a varsity boys. And then we did one two day camp where we had varsity JV girls and JV, JV boys teams because we didn't get as many teams. So we did those two together, but the six days were a blast, but the, the planning and, you know, we were using seven courts in Mitchell, South Dakota and trying to find uh, courts and scorekeepers and mostly referees for, for 40, 50 games a day in uh, weekday afternoons was, is just a struggle, a lot of work on planning it, but it was a, it was a good summer job for me and a, a good thing for my own two children. And um, yeah, I started the Corn Belt and it, it was, uh, became one of the biggest and, you know, I think everybody thought it was a good experience. I, got, I was able to get good refs. I'd coached a long time by then and I had contacts, you know, and and that was the thing that drew teams. To have good, uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned your son being around. I mean, I know just personally being around my dad doing activities, you know, and kind of covering Mitchell and covering, I mean, he would take me out of, you know, would call me after, you know, pick me up after school and say, Hey, tomorrow let's go to the ESD track meet and watch this Sutherland kid high jump seven feet, you know, from Watertown. So that was always kind of a thrill, you know, that I think as I've gotten older, him and I might, you know, I've always had that connection to talk about, you know, just from that was pretty, you know, pretty pivotal, you know, it was amazing memories to have, you know, with him. And I know, you know, certainly, I also was going to ask you this, you were in Emory for a brief period, weren't you? I, I remember going over to when Chris was little, when I think you were at Jeff Aaron's house. Yeah. Would you move to Emory for a little bit? Six months. Uh, okay. Um, we were, that was time when I could kind of feel things slipping away at Hanson a little bit. And okay. uh, I, we didn't want to buy a house. So we were renting a house and it got sold. And I actually, Kevin Aaron bought it, bought the house. Okay. I, I could move into there in six months, a nice house in Alexandria. Yeah. But uh, I'm until six months, there was nothing. And then, Actually, the guy that um, bought my house in in Alexandria, I moved into his in Emory, and it was the old. I think it was if it was Larry Aaron's house, or I'm not sure who, whose house it was. One of the Aarons, anyway. Had to be an Aaron because Jeff, I think, is still there. Jeff and his family, he's raised his oh, kids in that there. house. Yeah, in yeah. the same place. So we rented that for for six months, and you know, I was a little nervous. I was a little thinking I might get my tires slashed and stuff, you know, Emory and Hanson were pretty big rivals by then. And yeah, but the people were awesome. Sure. The right across the street was uh, Kevin Dorn. Yeah. One night my wife and I come, came back from Mitchell with, had been in Mitchell getting some groceries and we're unloading them. And Kevin yells across, Hey, come on over. They were having a trivial pursuit tournament. Okay. Man, I'm good at Trivial Pursuit. I want okay. to be over there. Started getting fear a little bit. Yeah. And my wife calls me and said, we got to go. Uh, daughter Dana was going to be born. So okay. I drove to the hospital, but it was touch and go which one of us was going to drive. But yeah, that, was, that happened while we were in Emory. But we were there six months. And then uh, 
that house opened up. It was just, Emory was great, but it was inconvenient. I, you know, you'd forget your keys at school. So now I'd have to drive back to Emory instead of drive three blocks to get. Sure. Sure. Like you have to go nine, nine miles or so. Emory people were good to us. So we no, that's, fun. that's good to hear. I, and you know, I, I, uh, I just remember maybe it was, t I mean, obviously 90, I mean, Emory, I think made the state tournament, but I, I just remember those games between Emory and Hanson as the most intense and maybe it just because as an impressionable age, as a, as a 10 year old, but I, I don't remember. I mean, it just seemed like those were as big of a basketball battles as, you know, it was Steve Aaron, Darren Lubers, Hanson. I think, you know, your teams had Rands and who, who else was on that 90 team? Yeah, it was, we had in 89, we had gone into the state B as the number one seed and number one ranked. And we made it to the championship in Huron, and we're the favorite over Northwestern. And uh, make a long story short, Troy Gust made it as a freshman made a half court shot at the end of the first quarter to put us behind thirty to thirteen. We were down thirty to ten. Oh wow! State championship game. We came back and it ended eighty two eighty, but uh, that was in in uh, eighty nine. But we lost all of our guards. Chad Sherrard, Travis Cheeseman, who was incredible, and uh, Pat Murphy and Craig Tushin. And we had three big guys. Tim, You mentioned Tim Rands, Neil Cheeseman, and, and the All-Stater was Kenny Weber. Was Kenny his, Weber, that's right. Three-five man. And, but we had two sophomore guards, Kelly Aaron, another Aaron, and yeah. Big Gus. And <clears throat> we went about as they did. They Some nights they were really good. And we, there were a lot of nights we were the best team in the state in 1990. Uh, and then other nights, if they weren't shooting it very well or are struggling a little bit, when you got young guards, that's just part of the deal. Yeah. Both went on to have great careers, but they were a little up and down as sophomores, like it's, you can expect. But there were some nights there's nobody was going to beat us. But um, yeah, I just remember the only game that we I remember that year a lot about the game was we're playing in the district, playing Emory, and <clears throat> we're both we're two of the top teams in the state, but Emory Emory beat us. They their matchup zone. We had two five men. We basically played five kids, and two of them were just, you know, tied to the basket type guys. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they just tried to made us try to beat them from the perimeter and uh, they had a better scheme than we did that night and they upset us, but yeah. And it wasn't just 90 every year was, was just a uh, small gyms. Matt would be crazy to, you'd think we're crazy. The gyms we played in back in those days in Emory and Alec both. And uh, actually they, they look like, so Matt, the gym we go to by your, by your house, Hanson's gym that, that coach Mark was talking about was like that. What gym do we go to, to get like those 5k bibs? Oh yeah. Well, um, I, I was going to say, I, I went to Catholic school and I played in, you know, some small gyms. So I, I can, uh, I can understand the the size you're talking about probably. Yeah. Little cracker by like Mount Vernon had one. Yeah. Hanson. And I think I had emailed you. I don't remember ever winning a game. <laughs> in Hanson. I think we beat well, you know, one of those summer teams better than, Ours was better than most. Yeah, places. you had a wood floor. You had a nice wood floor. Yeah, we had a wood floor. We had the worst locker rooms for uh, 
opponents in the state. You had to go upstairs. It's tough, yeah, yeah. Where the lockers were, and then you had to go down one level to where the showers were. That's and right. We had it about ninety degrees up there by accident. We just couldn't control it. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, it was terrible, but probably some really good dead spots there on the floor. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> but the worst part of Hanson, and I tried to get it changed, and it lasted one game. We had the opponent's crowd sitting right behind us and those little six rows of bleachers. Yeah. And you're sitting there and they got their knees in your back and they're yelling at you. Now, when we go to Emory, yeah. we had the Emory crowd sitting behind us. Yeah. And they were ruthless. Um, a lot of it was in good fun. And then a lot of them, you know, if he's afraid they might come down and punch you. So. Sure. They might have been sitting at uh, Sandy's for a little bit before getting warmed <laughs> up but <laughs> yeah. uh, wow that, i just hated going over there i hated playing against mccarthy's teams and i hated playing against scott schultz's teams they were just you know you got a good shot you better hope you made it because you weren't going to get one the next few possessions and uh it's just it was a lot of respect though i think both ways you know our kids got along and our kids weren't weren't jerks on either side and yeah good memories of being in Emory but wow and it was always 20 degrees too hot in there and yeah and it, it at halftime and you'd have to go down for a long time you went down into this dungeon that's to the right locker room. which was an and actual for- fallout shelter during like <laughs> during the world yeah. War. yeah there was a sign i think out front you know back in when there was scare of nu- nuclear nuclear war you know and then but there was a there was a fallout shelter is what that was and the lobby was about the size of a good sized closet. Yeah. <laughs> take the whole team three minutes to get down to the locker room. Yeah. To fight through the crowd in the lobby and, and all the lobbies full of snow and, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, there were a lot of, a lot of amazing games over there. Yeah. And I, whenever I scouted there, I, I, get there as early as I could and try to get up in the balcony and and uh, nobody else wanted to sit up there because you were right in the middle of the band almost yeah that's right they did have the band upstairs yeah it was quite a quite a place in Emory Hanson's old gym was uh you know not one window in the place and uh you'd go in there at night and turn the lights off and within 10 seconds you could hear the bats whizzing around in there (laughs) is that right (laughs) Yeah, it was uh, now both of them have upgraded a lot. Emory did a Bridgewater Emory did a great job with their facility, Joe. I don't know if you've seen it, but they have. I have seen a nice uh, gym and they did the right thing to try to mend some fences between those two towns. And they put a lot of money into their football and track complex in Bridgewater. And I think it's worked out amazingly well. Just one little reminiscence here of how it used to be I, when I got to Bridgewater, Bridgewater and Emory were in the same school district. It was called Tri-County. Okay. Tri-County schools. And they had two separate schools, but we had one school board and we had one superintendent and Bridgewater had like 70 more voters than Emory did. And when the school board elections would come, there were three from Bridgewater, three from Emory and one at large. And every year I was there for seven years, 
the at-large member was from Bridgewater. And the four Bridgewater board members, for the most part, wouldn't have voted. They'd have voted no if the Emory School was on fire. They might have voted no about whether to put it out or not. And the <laughs> Emory, right. Emory ones were the same. So it was uh, it was so much bickering and stuff. Nothing involving the – it was just all administrative and the community. And I don't know. I think it lasted about five years at wow. Tri-County, and then they split it up. And I, I, they did it as a saving measure, you know. They only had to pay one superintendent. Sure. So when I see Emory and Bridgewater, it looks like a, a match made in heaven right now, and I would have never believed that could happen uh, based on things back then. I wouldn't the have either. Rivalry I mean, that they, it was. They, and, they would tear the eagle hmm. off the side of the school, you know. That happened, like, every year, you know, for a few years. The little, you know, there'd be a wooden – painted mascot oh. that was bolted and you know you'd come into school and it would be torn down and it was a that had to be after my time i wouldn't allow that <laughs> i honestly have never heard that different yeah. i don't know if it was bridge i don't know if it was when it was maybe 87 88 or so i mean you were already at, but in any event it was just a different you know different i see like kids are good kids now they're focused on you know, yeah, academics. They, they've and, got it going. They've got good football. They've got good basketball. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's good. You know, Jeff Van Lure's uh, daughter, Jessie's the head girls basketball coach. That's what my Aunt Marie told me. I knew that. To kind of follow yeah. in that, you know, and, and I think, you know, you mentioned McCarthy and Schultz. I mean, Schultz and yourself, I it was like we would practice defense and boxing out really more than anything else, you know, more than – shooting and you you know you didn't dare shoot threes i don't know how kids are playing now i can't even imagine you know that's such a big part of basketball is extended beyond the line and i just remember how fundamentally sound you know so many teams were and your teams always were um well the three-point line came in in 1986 and that's the year that that hansen won the state a tournament um were you shooting many threes we were shooting none the Craig Cheeseman, I see him a lot. Um, he lives in Salem, and that's where I taught my last seven years. And, and then I stayed there for several years after I retired. And now we moved to Sioux Falls. But Craig reminds me of the first practice I brought the guys in and showed them the three-point line. And this, I said, this means if you're on this outside of this, it's a bad shot. You don't shoot it. You pass it. You can fake from out there. You can't shoot from out there. And the first year, we didn't shoot him. Our school record holder the first year was Travis Cheeseman with five. <laughs> but you know what? The teams we played shot him and missed him. And we had lost everything but Craig Cheeseman from our state championship. And and Jason Smith had played a lot as a freshman. We had those two back. And we were tiny. Craig was six two, and he's our biggest guy. But we went undefeated for the season, and then we, in the postseason, we won our district. But then we got for two years. The state tried something crazy: the challenge game. Do you remember that, Joe? I don't know. For two years, they allowed a team that got beat in the semis a chance to get back into the action if, if the team that that. Uh, beat them won the district they had another chance to get in and and we oh wow freeman. yeah we were class a then and we had beaten freeman 
twice, once during the season and once in the district championship. But then Freeman wow. got a new crack and made it to the region and uh, beat us on a last second shot. We had a 46 game uh, winning streak going there. Holy smokes. I didn't know that. Are, are we doing okay yeah. for time? I know you're there with you got your daughter and your grandkids. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you, I had noted in there. So in 86, you know, when you win a, a state championship and kind of reach the mountaintop as a coach, what, what changes? Like, does that change? Does anything change? I mean, when you reach kind of that, the the pinnacle of, of essentially your, your class and, and with your team, I mean, how does that, how, what, was there an impact the next year? I mean, how does that change or if anything, how you approach? I don't think it changes anything from a coach's perspective. You just want to do it again. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, I think it maybe, you know, there's a little more prestige if teams can beat you. I think that's true that that teams prepare a little harder and the United States are a little more focused. Uh, maybe the expectations <clears throat> grow once that happens, but it isn't. Uh, that isn't a big deal. Okay. Because, yeah, I was talking to Jamin Aaron last week, just doing the same thing here, and he talked about in 2017 when they won. He was a sophomore, you know, and he almost thought that – that was almost a benefit to him and his class is how young they were. And then all of a sudden you get two more years of teams trying to kind of see in everybody's best, um, you know, for, yeah, for it works that way. Sometimes it worked that way when I was at Bridgewater, but then I've had some of my best teams with some younger kids, you know, have kind of underachieved the next year. You know, it, it, I'm not sure there's any reason for it. Or, sure any correlation but i think things just happen yeah no i yeah for sure i i can you know i remember i was about the same size as a senior i think as i was my sophomore year you know and, and you know just never i remember brian would always tell me that it, you would have made me use my right hand more because i i think i was all left <laughs> was all left hand and he said you know coach mark would have made you use your your right hand more i always got to kick dribble. yeah Got a kick I don't out remember of that. that about you. I remember you were left-handed. Yeah, but I didn't remember that you uh, uh, were weak with your right, Joe. I think your uh, your memory's failing a little bit. It was <laughs> a player. You were you were I I thought you were in the same grade as my son Chris, but he tells me you were you're younger. You're younger. That was you were ninety-seven. Chris said that that was a really good team. There's. Passloff and and you had a that Tushin guard that was a good class in '97 that yeah. we had. We beat uh, Freeman that year in the old we called it the Beaver Dome Hanson's little yeah. gym. They were number one in the state and we gave them their first loss at the end of January, and then um, about the next Saturday we we uh, were playing the new number one Irene and we um, they made a three at the buzzer to to beat us by one we were up two is that right okay i don't remember so we were, the same thing i mentioned before there's some nights we were as good as anybody in the state that year when you were a junior then but um i remember playing in emory that year because you guys were good and we were going to emory which mean which we knew was going to be a ball buster and it was and but we i think i think pulled out us out yeah like by like 16 I think the last so. quarter yeah i think we did but Nate it was smith a, i think hit a 
hit a couple threes and about yeah, the a good player in that class. Yeah, he was, he, and, he and was Brian unblockable. And, yeah, we had a good group. Yeah, it we was got up here. Got a bad luck of the draw on that deal, but we played a great team that wasn't wasn't very good early in the year with because of a coaching change. Alpina had some really good players, and they they upset us on it again on a banked three at the buzzer when we had the lead. But I remember those Joe more than the the yeah the mill games i guess regular games more than the the wins well well we'll get you out of here on this coach who, who i know you mentioned you know craig cheeseman who are some other just around the conference like some of the best players you remember you know not only coaching but playing against in the old corn well, belt i'll start playing against it the best player i thought was terry jansen that we came across i'm Is not that right me. but he was we didn't have a post player we had a six five skinny guy um that tried to guard him during the regular season when we were seniors and he he had terry put 40 some down on us and we played we played him zone in the district tournament and played him better than i think in the last three four minutes emory pulled out in that game terry jansen your dad had four fouls in the first half wow and I'd say he had three more in the second half. <laughs> it, they were trained. The whistle blow and one of the other guys had raised their hand. And so the ref. Would, Colin Capitan probably or one yeah, of those happy, guys. Take care, take care of Terry. But John, John was great too when I played. Those are the, honestly the guys I remember the most. But uh, the best player I played against was also a Jansen. It wasn't. That I coached against. I mean, that was Chris. Uh, man, he put forty some on us, and we we were won probably thirteen or fourteen games that year. Did it in Parkston. Chris, Chris was I think a sophomore, but he he, I was reminiscing about this with him in the car last night. He said he didn't play that game. He had missed about six games with a broken wrist or eight games. Okay, he didn't play that game, but but Chris was. I mean, people were just afraid of him. He was so intense. You know, he's almost uh, smoke coming out of his ears, and his yeah. eyes got big when he got the ball. He was going to yeah. go right through you. Yeah. And uh, um, classy kid, and only time, only kid ever to win uh, Spirit of Sioux twice. Twice. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you remember that. These seniors. Yeah, he's really he taken a lot of that intensity and preparation. It's been, you know, it's just seeing him as he's gotten older and just be, and being a doctor and kind of putting that focus. It's still there. He he still is, you know, not quite, a, you know, as physical, you know, not quite as big as he, he used to be. But, um, you know, he he's, uh, you know, it's been kind of great seeing him as he's gotten older. Just because you brought up my dad. So what was, because I, I, him and John don't really talk about, their prowess like what what did my dad do? like what kind of a player did, was he posting up a lot like was he yeah they were, they were really strictly five man type my memory is but just both strong both never missed I thought Terry was a better high school player personally I played against them both I was a sophomore when John was a senior and and Terry was a sophomore we 
we played in Emory that year of just one fast story. We had something that maybe has never happened. We had a kid from Salem get ejected from the JV game. And back then that just, it didn't matter. You could play the next game. He got ejected from the varsity game. <laughs> Is that right? With Russ Melt, a junior off the bench in the varsity. And he was a thug. He was the best football player I ever played with probably. But, uh, <laughs> Got he thrown out of both games. Wow. Kicked out of both games. Now, if you get kicked out, you have to sit out another whole game. Is so that right? Okay. But yeah, Emory was really good. Then Emory got, um, you know, moved into our district for my last two years, and and John was gone by then. But they still had Terry and Nick Ernster and Jerome Yuk. Jerome Yuk could really play, man, and. Uh, um, Rod Fluth, they had a, a good team. I'm probably missing some guys here, but they were good. We were right with them till the end of the game again, but we could not get past them uh, two years. And, and But both of them were outstanding. They're, you know, they had a certain role. John had a, a great career at State, a good career at State. Yeah. Um, and I think Terry would have too, but for the accident. Yeah. No, I think he, my dad always talked about John, I think had like 16 rebounds or something against Kansas. Where I think, I don't remember if Larry Brown or who, who was the coach there, but they played, uh, you know, had a long career, you know, it played four years, you know, and he was, he was a, a big contributor on good teams. They had some big guys, uh, too. And, uh, yeah, John had a good career and I, and Terry was on his way to doing that too, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, tell you what, Coach, this has been awesome. I know you're you got your there with your kids and you know and your your grandkids, but I, I really appreciate the time. Um, this has been a lot of fun. It's exciting to to put this out. Um, I'm glad I had Chris's number still. So it's really been a pleasure to you know to talk to you and get to see you again. And um, you know, best of luck to you. Lots of health. If I get back, I'm coming back in June, so I'm trying to see you know run into my 25th anniversary already for class reunion. So time flies. Yeah, it does. It does. Well, if you get to Sioux Falls, give Chris a call and I'll, I'll uh, buy you lunch. Sounds great. Great to All see right. you coach. Take care. Have a great yeah. night. Thanks, Thanks, Joe. You bet. Bye-bye. Rock him Maintains to make melodies for MCs, motivates to break some everlasting. I can go on for days and days with rhyme displays that engrave deepest X rays. I can take a phrase that's rarely heard, flip it, master daily word. I can get iller than armor, kill it, bomb, but no alarm. Rock Kimmel remain calm. Self esteem make me super superb and supreme before a microphone. Still, I've been. This was a tape. I wasn't supposed to break. I was supposed to wait, but let's motivate. I want to see and keep following and swallowing. Taking a minute, fighting and falling. Rubbers try and others die to get the formula But I'ma let you sweat, you still ain't warm You a step away from frozen, stiff as if you're posing Digging to my brain
brain as the rhyme gets chosen. So follow me, or what you're thinking you were first. Let's travel at magnificent speeds around the universe. What could you say as the earth gets further and further away? Planets are small, the balls of clay are straying through the Milky Way. Worlds out of sight, far as the eye can see, not even a satellite. Now stop and turn around and look at the stand of darkness. Your knowledge took. So keep staring soon, you suddenly see a star You better follow it, consist of all This is a lesson if you're guessing it, if you're borrowing Hurry, hurry, step right up and keep following the leader Follow the leader, I can't And start to squeeze a magnum as a microphone, murdering MCs. Let's quote a rhyme from a record I wrote. Follow the leader. Yeah, dope. Cause every time I stop, it seems you're stuck. Soon as you try to step off, you're self destruct. I came to overcome before I'm gone by showing and proving and letting ours be born. Then after that, I'll live forever. You disagree, you say never. Then follow me from century to century. You remember me in history, not a mystery or memory. I call by nature, mind raised in Asia. Since you was tricked, I have to raise you from the cradle to the grave. But remember, you're not a slave. Cause we was prepared to be much more than that. But we couldn't see because our mind was trapped. But I'm here to break away the chains, take away the pains, remake the brains, rebuild my name. I guess nobody told you a little now it's dangerous. It can't be mixed, diluted, it can't be changed the switch. Here's a lesson if you're guessing and following. Hurry, hurry, step right up and keep following the leader. Follow the leader, I can't sing. 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 Verified freestyle, lyrics of fury My third eye make me shine like jury You're just a rental rapper, your rhymes are minimate I'll be here when it fade, and watch it flip like a renegade I can't wait to break and eliminate On every trade of a snake, so stay awake And follow and follow, because the tempo's a trail The stage is a cage, the mic is a third rail I rock him, the fiend of a microphone I'm not him, so leave my mic alone Soon as the beat is felt, I'm ready to go So fasten your seatbelt, cause I'm about to flow No need to speed, slow down and let the leader lead Word to daddy, in Indeed, the R's are roller stones, so I'm rolling. Directions told them the rhymes are stolen. Stop bugging, the brother said dig him. I never dug him. He couldn't follow the leader long enough, so I drug him. It's a danger zone, he should arrange his own face. It's basic, erase and change of tone. It's one R in the alphabet. It's a one letter word, and it's about to get more complex from one rhyme to the next. Everything be easy on the flex. I've been from state to state, followers tailgate. Keep coming, but you came too late, but I wait. So back up, regroup, get a grip, come equipped. You're the next contestant. Clap your hands, you wanna trip The price is right, don't make a deal too soon How many notes get your name this tune? Follow the leader is a title theme task Now you know you don't have to add Rappers rhythm and poetry cuts create sound effects You might catch up if you follow the records he wrecks Until then keep eating and swallowing You better take a deep breath and keep following the leader Follow the leader, I can't sing Keep following Follow the leader, I can't sing Follow the leader, I can't sing Follow the leader, I can't Follow the leader, I can't Follow the leader, I can't
follow the leader.